What is up? And welcome back to another episode of the Wizards podcast. I believe this is actually episode 14. So, you know, getting up there in the episodes, uh, only started this back, I think, in October. So, we're, you know, we're, we're moving along here, but this is going to be kind of uh, a deviation from the norm. These are usually kind of breaking news, like you saw with the livers and Bagley trade episode that I did. Those are usually shorter. And then I'll do longer ones that kind of break down the games. Uh, I feel like those are kind of stale now because. Let's be honest, you know, if you're a fan, you're listening to this, you don't really care what's happening in terms of did they win or did they lose. You obviously are hoping for losses and you're hoping guys like Bilal, um and Corey Kisper, Denny Abdi, the young guys, they develop. And, and that's just kind of what you want to hear. So I figured, you know, I'll, I'll hopefully you just switch it up for the next month, at least till the trade deadline and just kind of keep you updated on all the trade rumors, um, all the compensation that the Wizards could possibly get in return for some of their star players, what the outset is going to be in terms of the draft, you know, just kind of gearing up for that. So it's going to be a pretty trade heavy couple episodes gearing up for the February 8th trade, trade deadline. Hopefully uh, you guys as listeners enjoy that because I feel like that's kind of the relevant topic. That's kind of what you guys would like to hear. Um, just getting right into things. There's a couple guys. Uh, if you listen to my previous episode, uh, I talked about, the different layers of they'll be traded. I don't think they'll be traded and they're absolutely untouchable uh, in that. I really would, I would be surprised if they got dealt, but again, I would understand it is it, right at the top is Kyle Kuzma. Uh, his name has been floated around in trade rumors as of late. Um, and it makes sense. Look, the wizards signed Kyle Kuzma. I think Windhorse reported that the Wizards signed Kyle Kuzma with the intention of trading him. So that's one report. And then you have a report that came out this week from Mike Scott of Hoops Hype. Uh, and he basically went through what the expectation from the Wizards is in terms of what they would like to net from Kyle Kuzma. Uh, he basically says in order to potentially part with with Kuz, Will Dawkins, um, Michael Winger in the front office, they'd need at least two first round picks. And these first round picks, they don't necessarily want them to be in this 2024 draft. They kind of want to bet on the fact that these guys, the contender that they're sending, potentially sending coups to, will be good for a couple years, but eventually they'll bottom out. And those picks in 2026 or 2028, whenever they convey, they'll be in the lottery as opposed to being in the 20s and 30s. Um, and that's exactly my point here. Kyle Kuzma's contract is perfect. It's descending value, meaning he's making a lot of money up front around 25, 26 mil the first two years, but he's making less than 20 mil in the final two years, which entices people, entices contenders to want to trade for him. And I, I would assume that that's to trade for him down the line. You know, when his contract is only 18, 19 million dollars per year, that's much easier for those contending teams to absorb. Granted that they're already probably paying big money to two-star players and adding Kuzma in as a complimentary third piece. Um, you know, that being said, in terms of what I not only think is going to happen, but I feel like should happen from an organizational standpoint, I don't, I just, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see Kuzma re-signing here just to get moved. I feel like he could have gotten similar money around 25, 26 per year for teams like the Kings that he was rumored, um, to be interested in the Rockets have a lot of cap space. They would have paid him. The Pacers had a need at forward. Apparently they were interested in Kuzma. All of those teams could have paid him and he could have gone there, but he decided to stay here. I feel like there's a reason for that. I don't, I don't think he's gonna, 
he's going to sign in Washington just to be sent to a team that he is unsure of. He finally he talked about all offseason. He's excited that not only yeah, I want to stay in Washington, that's ideal, but I get to talk to all these other teams that are interested in me and I get to see how much they're going to pay me. I get to see what my role would be. He was very excited in that. So why would he kind of take those meetings and re-sign with a team like the Wizards that has intentions of moving him in a couple months? I just I don't think it makes sense for either side. I think look, down the line if the Wizards move on from Kuzma in year three or year four, when this rebuild's starting to really pick up and we're, you know, trying to contend and, you know, we want to offload Kuzma and, and maybe bring someone else in, you know, or just clear that cap space for the offseason to sign someone else, that's understandable. Uh, but what I what I wouldn't get is for Kuzma to sign here just to be traded uh, and for Michael Winger and Will Dawkins to bring him back just to trade him. Now, it makes more sense from Winger and Dawkins' standpoint because they're getting something in return. Kuzma could have walked for free, and instead they paid him money and then offloaded that contract for a couple first-round picks. That would be genius. That would be great. But you're also trying to build a culture here. You're trying to establish a spot the free agents want to go. Kuzma seems like a guy that's plugged in around the league. I don't think he'd be that happy if we told him he was the cornerstone here, we were going to build around him, and then we moved him. That's not good organizational practices, if you know what I mean. Um, not good ethics, I guess. So I, I just, again, I've said this multiple times already. I feel like I'm repeating myself. I don't think he gets traded. I don't think it makes much sense. But if we move them for two unprotected first-round picks, it would be hard to be upset with that. Not only will we bottom out and be even worse than somehow we already are, but you would get really good future assets for a guy in Kuzma that I think you know two first-round picks is probably the maximum you can get. And he was going to walk for free. So you got something in return um, for, you know, absolutely nothing if he walked. And that's kind of been the theme with Dawkins and Winger. CP3 would have walked for free. We got something for him. Uh, Gallinari, Muscala would have been bought out for free. We got Bagley, Livers, and a second-round pick. It's just two second-round picks, sorry. You know, when guys aren't going to be here and you're you're offloading them and you're bringing in things that could be here for the future – that's what a rebuild is about. That's what the Thunder are doing. That's why they're really good right now. And that's what the Wizards, I'm assuming, are going to try to do with this this deadline. So that that is kind of what I'll, I'll I'll say and I'll stand on for the Kuzma trade rumors. Look, if he gets traded, that would be a surprise to me. You can call me wrong, but I don't think he I don't think he gets moved. I think he's here. I think next year as well. I think he's here all the way through until his contract is is under twenty million. So that moves us on to the other trade rumors. Um, Tyus Jones has been, honestly, I'd say even more of a popular name in trade rumors than Kuzma. And that's that's just because Tyus has been unbelievable this season. The fact that Tyus Jones was brought here in that KP trade was very uh, underwhelming and underrated uh, because Tyus Jones was at the top of my list. Uh, not that Not this past offseason, but the 2022-23 offseason, when the Wizards desperately needed a point guard, they had uh, moved on from Russ. They'd moved on from Dinwiddie. They they kind of gone through that saga, the revolving do- door of point guards. And you knew they needed to sign some depth. But who is that going to be? Uh, and they ended up signing DeLon Wright, who I also had at the top of my list. But Dias Jones re-signed with the Grizzlies, and he balled out as the backup for, for uh, John Morant. And now, now you factor in, he comes to D.C. in the KP trade, he finally has, you know, his own team. He's the starting point guard. He's not, you know, fighting for minutes. And he he's doing exactly what he was brought in here to do. He's game managing. Averaging 15 points a game, 
shooting over 54% from the field, shooting nearly 50% from three. He's at 49.3% from three. That's unbelievable. It's unreal. And the fact that he leads the league and this is a turnover ratio is just kind of like thrown out the door because he does it every year. It's not talked about enough. But Tyus Jones, I, I even tweeted this out. I'm going to miss if he gets traded, which I think he will. I'm going to miss watching him just play basketball for my team. I I so enjoy just you know watching him read the defense, make the right play, you know, pocket passes to Gafford, cross-court swing passes to JP in the corner or Kuz on the wing. Knocking down threes at an efficient clip. Obviously, the defense is not great. He's undersized. That's you know you're gonna have to take that with how good he is offensively. Um, but I I feel like it it hasn't been that that bad, and maybe that's because he's hiding in one of the worst defenses of all time. So at, when everyone is pretty much bad on the defense, one person isn't necessarily gonna stand out, and that could be the case. But I do I do think he's been great, and I do think he covets a first round pick. The, the recent report also by Mike Scotto of Hoops, I recommend following him. He, he puts out some great stuff, very plugged in around the league. Um, he he put out a report. He said, this is, quote, the belief in Washington um, is that Ty Jones would covet a first oh, – sorry, the belief is that Washington would covet a first-round pick in order to consider trying to trade Ty Jones. Should a team dangle a first-round pick in the future – especially if it's past 2024, that could become a top 20 pick in the future. Like I said before, you know, trying to not get assets now so you're picking in the late 20s, but get assets down the line so hopefully these contending teams aren't contending anymore. Um, that would entice the Wizards and they'd consider such an offer. That's what Mike Scotto said. This is exactly what I believed would happen. I mean, a first-round pick is probably the absolute maximum you can get for Tyus Jones. Um and I, I wouldn't settle for anything less. Yes, he's an expiring deal. Um, and yes, he might walk in the offseason. But there's not many starting point guard positions for, for the Open around the league. Especially on teams like like the Wizards that are going to give you the opportunity to play good minutes. You're really No one's really competing against you for that role. I would assume DeLon's moved. Who, who's going to be the, the, the other point guard? Like we don't We don't really have that depth to compete against Tyus. This is a job that he's worked towards to start in the league. So who knows if he, he, you know, resigns or not, but a first round pick is ideal. And I think that's what we'll get. There's so many teams around the league that need point guard depth. I think a lot of teams have a starting point guard, but they don't have that guy to game manage the second unit. Um, I think Delon Wright does a great job of that, especially defensively not having that lapse, but there's teams like Philadelphia that, Desperately need help at the backup point guard position. After Maxi, I mean, you're really going to ask the Anthony Melton to man that unit down the stretch against the Celtics, against the Bucks in the playoffs? I wouldn't. I wouldn't feel comfortable like that. Obviously, you have teams like Sacramento. Um, you know, I have De'Aaron Fox, but if I also had Tyus Jones to come in and spell him, I, I don't think our offense would fall off at all. Uh, you know, there's a lot of teams that should be interested in Tyus. Uh, the Rockets, I think, were one. The Magic were another. The Magic are a team that I've even seen a lot of Magic fans in my in my mentions on Twitter telling me, we need Tyus. What do you want for Tyus Jones? They feel like Markel Fultz is going to be moved, and they like all Anthony kind of in that backup spot, but they feel like he'd be best served kind of off ball um, and Tyus Jones in that second unit. That's just what I'm hearing from Magic fans. But the moral of the story is there's a lot of suitors for Tyus Jones, and rightfully so because he's having a career season. Um 
I'd also like to mention he's a great dude. Um, obviously, I've gone to a couple of Wizards games. I've gotten to talk to Tyus a couple of times, even at media day in the beginning. Just answers questions with with grace and, and with class and really gives you a good answer. You can tell he's genuine. So just wanted to put that out there on a personal level. Uh, but I I really think that a first-round pick makes sense. Scott's report pretty much confirms that. I've seen you know other reports as well from Jake Weinback that he was the guy that said the Magic, the Rockets, the Sixers, all teams interested. Um, and I would assume they'd offer a first-round pick. Where it gets dicey is, you know, if you don't get that first-round pick, if teams are offering you multiple second-round picks, do you move Tyus even if, you know, you're not getting ample value? You know, that's where where Dawkins gets paid the big bucks. I mean, two second-round picks is better than nothing if Tyus decides to walk, but, you know, only Wenger knows if he has a strong commitment from Tyus to stay in the future. So we'll have to see, but I, I do think that, that Tyus gets moved, and I think it's for a first-round pick. If you read my article on Bull Forever a couple weeks ago, my guess is move to Philadelphia. The Wizards probably take back the contract of Korkmaz, Furkan Korkmaz, who's been on the trade block for ages now. Um, and they get back a first-round pick. Either the Clippers pick that they got on the Harden trade or one of Philadelphia's own in the future. Preferably a 2026 or 2028 pick because Philadelphia is going to be pretty good for a little bit. Um, but, you know, that just that's where I stand on Tyus. The the other guy that I've seen in a lot of trade rumors is Daniel Gafford. Daniel Gafford has been one of my favorite players ever since he joined the Wizards. Even when he was on the on the on the Bulls, if you remember, he was absolutely killing the Wizards on the glass, on like through lobs, just just destroying us in that 2020 season before we acquired him. Um, and he's been he's been great. That was probably the best trade I'd say, apart from maybe the rush trade. That was probably the best trade of the Tommy Shepard era offloading Mo Wagner and Troy Brown Jr. for Daniel Gafford, who started close, I'd say close to like 80 games, probably, maybe even more in his couple years with the Wiz. But he's the full-time starter now, and you acquired him for two guys that weren't going to be here for, for much longer. So that was that was a solid trade. And and look, Gafford is very limited offensively. He he puts the ball back in the you know in the net. He cleans up the glass. He makes his layups. He's a very efficient shooter. He shoots almost 60%, I think, from the floor, maybe better. He does his job, and and you need guys like that that know their role, put their head down, sacrifice for the betterment of the team, and, and he's the, the the perfect example of that. Also defensively, he's been a great rim protector. I mean, look, he's left out to dry. He's playing with guys like Gallo and Muscala. Um, the rest of the defense is terrible, so everything's funneled at Gafford at the rim, and he's, you know, fighting for his life out there. Especially on the glass, he gets no help. So, I would take you know what you're seeing in terms of bad defensive rebounding numbers and bad defensive numbers from the team, and I'd separate that from Gafford as an individual. Um, but there's teams that have been interested. The Knicks are are a team that I think would benefit from him. Obviously, if Hardenstein, Mitchell Robinson might return later, but I feel like they'd benefit from a guy like Gafford, even if it's for like a one-year rental and then they move his contract later. A team like the Rockets, I think, makes the absolute most sense. A lot of Rockets fans, again, have been in my mentions telling me, Jock Londale, not it. Um, they need a backup. Tari Easton's great, but he's a power forward. He's not a center. Shangun, I think, should be an all-star, but they don't have anyone behind him. And if you're going to compete in the Western Conference and you're going to contend for titles, Jock Londale, he's not, he's not the answer coming off your bench. I think Gafford would would be the perfect player, 
and they have so much draft capital to do it. I mean, obviously, they have all the picks from the Harden trade. They have picks from, you know, other trades that they're taking in contracts throughout their rebuild. They have their own picks as well, which is big. And I don't think they're that good. And I don't think they're really going to compete anytime soon. So that's a team I'd be comfortable with trading in terms of where they will, you know, slot in this year or in the years to come. Um, and it's also a team that I think it makes sense. Do I think we should trade Gafford? If a team gives me a first round pick and the teams like Houston that, you know, right now would be in the lottery, it's pretty tough to pass on that. But again, if we keep him, I'm indifferent. Um, I think he's great. And I think he's a good player. I think he's a good leader for this team. And I, I wouldn't mind, you know, giving him here. He's making only $13 million and he's under contract for this year and two more seasons. So I don't think we have to move that quickly on Gaff. But, you know, if we did, I, I would I would predict the Rockets. Um, and I, I would assume we get a first round pick back for him. I mean, he's he's a starting center and he's he's a solid starting center. So the team acquiring him to play a backup role should at least give me a first round pick. That's just what I feel. And if not, and I don't get a first round pick, I'm not trading him for 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 much else. So those are the, the trade rumors. Obviously, we have Kuzma, we have Tyus Jones, we have Daniel Gafford. Not sure really who of them is going to be traded. I think Tyus makes the most sense if I had to choose, but all around the table, I guess, based on reports from Scotto, from Jake Weinbach, from people like Woj and Shams that are, you know, putting out little bits of information. So I'm sure we'll cover more as we get closer to the deadline, but those are the trade rumors. Moving on to the actual trade that we made. Um, I have a, a podcast that I put out when the trade happened. Um, it's about 17 minutes long, really short episode. If you just kind of want to hear my thoughts on the the Marvin Bagley, um, Isaiah Livers trade in, in which the Wizards got back two additional second round picks and also sent out uh, Mike Muscala and uh, Daniela Gallinari. That is the podcast that is right before this one that I'm releasing. So go listen to that if you, if you want to get some more information. But I just kind of wanted to come on here and brush on that a little bit more, give my expectations considering... This is dropping on Thursday, January 18th, or recorded on January 18th. I think I'll drop it tomorrow on, on Friday. But Bagley and Livers are expected to play tonight in New York. Uh, as per Josh Robbins of The Athletic, who covers the Wizards, great follow. I'd suggest reading his stuff. He does he does a really good job. Uh, but he reported that they're, they're both going to be available. They didn't play last game uh, in the loss to Detroit. I can't believe I'm saying the loss to Detroit. That's gross. Uh, but... They had to take their physicals. I think they spent the game in uh, Ted Leonzis's box. So, yeah, Marvin Bagley, not a power, not a center. I I understand uh, with our lack of center depth, he might have to play some center, and I get that. But he's 6'10". He's not that big in terms of, like, bulkiness. He's a pretty slender build. I think power forward just suits him best. He's not a stretch five. I've seen some people say he's a stretch five. The guy is shooting 18% from three. Actually, I think 16% from three. He's not a great shooter. Am I comfortable with him taking the mid-range shots at the elbow? Yes. He shoots them decent you know, at an, at an efficient clip. But I, he's what I'll say about him is he has a more well-rounded offensive game than Gaffer. Defensively, he's long. Um, you know, He's lengthy. He's athletic. He can get the shots. But he's going to get bullied by some of the bigger boned big men. Um. And I think he kind of compliments Gafford a little bit. Gaff's more, you know, he's not really offensive oriented, although he can make shots in an efficient clip when he's close. But he's more of a defensive uh, anchor, I'd say. And and Bagley's kind of the opposite. He's more of an offensive power forward center type thing. So I think the, you know, 
diversity in the front court, you know, they can kind of play off each other. Gaff anchors the defense. Bagley, you know, comes in, offers more of an offensive game. And, you know, who knows? Maybe if we add a center, which I hope we do, you could see Bagley start at the power forward, put uh put Gafford at the center, kind of go big with, you know, Kuz at the three, JP at the two, and and uh Tyus at the one. Or if Tyus gets moved, put JP at the one. Uh, I I don't really know, but I I do like the fl- the positional flexibility of Bagley, the lineups that we can throw out with them. And look, it's taking a flyer on a guy that I think is under contract this year and next year for twelve and a half million. Not a good contract, but you can absorb it considering you're gonna suck. You're not gonna have a lot of big contracts. Um, that's kind of the the beauty of being a bad team is you can take on those bad deals and be fine with it. Uh, but I think I'm I'm very excited. And I wouldn't be surprised if Bagley comes in here and and he lights it up to begin, you know, his Wizards career. We've seen it a lot. I mean, when Gafford came in here, he was just the exact thing we needed. Um, you've seen it, you know, if you remember Chandler Hutchinson, who we got in a trade with Chicago, it, I mean, he literally was was nothing after his first couple games. He didn't really play, but his first couple games, he balled out. Even Jabari Parker, Bobby Portis, when they were here, they played well, very well to begin their Wizards career. I think the fresh start, um, you know, not much film on that guy in, in this offensive system. I wouldn't be surprised if Marvin Bagley gets off to a good start. I would take it with a grain of salt because we know how quickly those hot starts can fade. But that's my prediction. I think Bagley will start really strong with the Wizards. Moving on to the second player that we got in this deal, Isaiah Livers. He reminds me in terms of the way people on Twitter and in the NBA community talk about him. If you remember Denzel Valentine, who played for the Chicago Bulls, played a bit for the for the Cleveland Cavaliers, he's a guy that, yeah, he can make some tough shots, he could get hot, but it's very polarizing in terms of he takes some bad shots, he'll airball some open threes, sometimes he won't be able to defend anybody. I just I think they are very similar. And the Bulls fan base was fed up with Denzel. They were happy they moved on from him. And it feels pretty similar in terms of Isaiah Livers. They just they were really unhappy with not only, you know, how poorly he was shooting. I think he's shooting only 28% from three, but you know, how little he was kind of affecting winning and, and affecting um, you know, improving themselves in Detroit. Uh you know, when you're a shooter and you're basically just a shooter and you're not shooting well, think Davis Bertans, you are you're a net negative. You're kind of, you know, a problem for your for your own team. And I think that's kind of what happened with Livers. You know, shot forty two percent from three his first two years, but when you're known as a shooter and you know, teams can kind of sag off you because you're not shooting well, that's that's a problem. Uh he mentioned to Bijan Todd, again, good follow on Twitter, covers the Wizards. Um he mentioned to Bijan uh, at the open uh, media session after shoot around. I think this is on Wednesday that he sees himself as a three and D type of player, um, which makes sense. He's kind of the same thing at Michigan. The The defense I, I think is there. I, I don't really know. You have to ask some people who watch a lot of the Pistons games. Uh, feel bad for those people, even as a team that's seven thirty two. but I think the three point shooting will hopefully come along. I mean, uh, going from shooting above 40% to uh, below 30% is a pretty bad drop-off. It doesn't really show improvement. Uh, but the Wizards have all the time in the world. They have, they should have all the patience in the world to develop guys like this. And look, Livers, I think, is only 25. Bagley's only 24. We're not in a hurry here in D.C., and they shouldn't be either. They're still relatively young, and I think they have some room to grow. 
the moral of the story is we're taking two flyers on guys that are young and have a little bit of experience but can definitely get better. Um, and we're basically doing it for free considering we took back two second-round picks and gave them two 35-plus-year-old players that we're going to rot on our bench and get bought out. So this trade makes too much sense. I don't see any negatives from it. I tried to find some. I really did. But I, I think this is just a great trade in terms of you know, making it work with what you have in your situation. We're rebuilding. We're not supposed to be good. We have so much cap space. Let's take in a guy like Bagley that's making a lot of money in terms of he doesn't necessarily give you $12.5 million worth of production, but we can we can eat that because we have so much cap space. And same goes for Livers. Not on a, a big deal, but still young, and, and you know who knows what he can develop into if he gets a, a little bit more playing time. So – that's kind of, you know, a rundown of the expectations I have for them. And and the final thing, we kind of end on, on a kind of a down note. Johnny Davis, the former 10th round pick just just a year ago in the 2020, I believe 2022 NBA draft. Um back with back with the Capital City Go Go in the G League, which is, you know, Capital City Go Go, the Wizards G League affiliate. It sucks. Uh I obviously, and I tweeted this out. And I got mixed reactions from people. Uh, I tweeted out, obviously, you know, it sucks. I'm not I'm not commenting yet on, you know, whether he's been good enough or not to earn playing time over some of the veterans here. But when you're seven and thirty-two, and your former tenth overall pick that's only in year two can't find any minutes, it's it's very frustrating as a fan. I'm watching. The, you know, these games to hopefully see people like Johnny, like Bilal, like Corey, and, and even like Denny develop. And and that's what this rebuild is about. And when I'm watching guys like DeLon Wright, obviously, who won't be here for much longer, um, you know, not too long ago, guys like Muscala and Gallinari and, and you know, even guys like Landry Shamit, who are, you know, taking the minutes at Johnny's position, it sucks. And what I what I, do I think Johnny Davis is better than any of those players right now? I I don't. I think he could be better, but my point here is it's frustrating that we're at this spot already with our tenth overall pick, where he can't even find playing time on a team that's won seven of its first thirty nine games. Uh, there are positives though to this, and and those positives are he's gonna at least play. I don't think he is learning anything from just watching every game on the bench. Yes, that works in the NFL for quarterbacks that, you know, take a year and and kind of watch. But I feel like for a guy like Johnny, you know, he's just got to play. Just let him make mistakes. Let him learn. Let him grow. That experience is key. And he's not getting that by practicing and then going to the games and watching 30-plus-year-old guys take his spot and play. Again, I'm going to say it because I know people um are going to come – not come at me, but are going to be annoyed when I'm saying – I don't think Johnny Davis is better than Landry Shamit. I don't think he's better than DeLon Wright or Tyus Jones or Jordan Poole. It makes sense that those guys are playing over him. But what doesn't make sense is that you're 7-32 and 32 or, and you can't find any playing time. How is he going to get better? Um, the only thing I can think of is he's going to come back after the deadline and he's going to get a lot of playing time considering, you know, I think Shamit, DeLon, and Tyus should be moved. That's three guards in front of him that leaves – Jordan Poole, who would probably move to, to, to point guard, and that leaves an open spot at shooting guard for, for a guy like Johnny. There there should be more than enough opportunity after the deadline. And if there's not, then that's where you start to get concerned. But 
I'm going to be frustrated now that that he's back down in the G League, but I'm going to be optimistic in in the thinking that not only is this to get him ready, hopefully for minutes post deadline, but he's at least playing, uh, and he's at least you know getting that playing time that he needs to grow instead of just watching from the sidelines. So that's my optimistic approach on Johnny. A quick run through. Uh, we talked about Kyle Kuzma. Uh, rumors, whether it be traded or not, Wizards are seeking multiple first-round picks, which is you know what what people thought going in. I doubt he gets traded based on you know his contract is so much better in two years that it would make more sense for him to get traded later. But I guess we shall see. Tyus Jones rumors: the Wizards apparently coveting a first-round pick, preferably not in 2024, and preferably down the line in 2026, 2028 when hopefully these contending teams won't be as good. Same goes for Daniel Gafford. Uh, Rockets, Knicks are teams I feel like should be interested in him, making $13 million per season and over, under contract for the next two years. So I wouldn't mind keeping him. I really like him as a player and as a person, but I would understand Dawkins' decision to move him. And, and if he does get moved, my my best guess is he gets moved to Houston for a first-round pick uh, and a salary filler like Jock Londale or something like that. Expectations on Bagley and Livers. I think Bagley's going to come in here. He's going to start well. I think he's more power forward than a center, but we don't have a lot of center depth, so I think he might have to play that along with Patrick Baldwin Jr. Uh, and then for Isaiah Livers, shooting only 28% from three. Says he's a 3 and D guy. I think he could become that, but obviously you need the three in 3 and D, and he's not shooting it well, so we need him to find his shot, and maybe he can be a rotational piece. Um and then Johnny Davis sent back down to the G League. He was recalled today, which is Thursday that I'm recording this. But I think what we're going to keep doing is what we've seen with guys like Baldwin Jr. And when Ryan Rollins was on the team, Ryan Rollins, they get sent down to the G League. They play a game with the G League team, and then they come back and they play with, and they, they just kind of sit on the bench with the Wizards. It's kind of the good part about having your G League affiliate so local and so close. So that's a rundown of the episode. Hope you guys enjoyed. I'll keep updating. I'll hopefully do an episode per week um, and then probably two episodes a week leading up in the two weeks to the deadline because there's going to be so much going on in terms of, you know, so many guys on this team get traded. The Wizards could go so many ways. So there's going to be a lot of information flowing through, and I'm going to want to, you know, obviously keep you guys updated on that as well as keep myself informed. This will kind of keep me in check. So, uh, again, that's going to do it for this episode. I appreciate you all for tuning in. I appreciate – all the support that I've gotten, not only on this podcast, but on my articles, on my Twitter. Um, if you're listening and you, you follow me there, I just want to let you know, it means the world to me that I get to tweet about a team that I love and have a lot of people genuinely care for my opinions and what I have to say. So uh, I appreciate you guys for, for that and for the support, but that's going to do it for this episode. Hope you all enjoyed and go Wiz.